from a very, very young age, I always wanted to be an astronaut and I wanted to go into space. That's probably because I watched Star Trek and Star Wars when I was young. And, but you know, I really enjoyed learning about the moon and the sun and the stars and all nine planets. And then when I got older, somebody ruined my whole world when there was only eight because Pluto got the boot. And I didn't really understand why that happened, but I seriously felt disrupted. Speaking of disruptions, I'm Kyle, and this is Ministry During the Disruption. Hello, hello, welcome to the podcast. This is Ministry During the Disruption, and I'm Kyle, and I'm here with your senior astronomy correspondent, Steve Tamayo. What's up, Kyle? I do enjoy looking at stars, superstars, uh, supernovas, black holes, constellations, and whatnot. Actually, not really. But my five-year-old, Henry, has gotten into space in a crazy way recently. And so I have learned way more about space than anyone should, needs to, or wants to. <laughs> Honestly, all my knowledge about space now comes from either my love of random science fiction and superpowers, right? Um, and trying to like theme it around fun concepts um, or trying to find fancy ways to describe the sky as I write poetry. So like apogees, you know, and stuff. Apogees and wax waning gibbuses and stuff as opposed to just the moon, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think if you're using the phrase waning gibbous, you should probably just break the rhyme. Just like, just go <laughs> slip into free verse or something. Like, just like, don't worry about your meter there, man. Like, yeah, that's, that's wild. No, I mean, seriously, like, I, I do love Neil deGrasse Tyson. You know, like, he's my, like, I grew up with Carl Sagan, like, enjoying his stuff. That, like, that fine line between a science educator and a science fiction artist is kind of wonderful. Oh, it's awesome. Speaking of other things that are awesome, I'm, I'm assuming you have an awesome take for us. I do. I do, actually. And here it is. There should be 14 planets. Okay, wait. That's so many. That's so many planets. <laughs> there should totally be 14 planets, right? Like, and that is a very specific number, right? I'm not saying there should be 86 planets, although that might be something that we get to in the future. But right now, Today, on this day in space-time history, in this string of the multiverse, you know, in the, the world where Miles Morales is Spider-Man, uh, we should have 14 planets. Well, if it's the world where Miles Morales is Spider-Man, so you mean our world. Okay, so in our, our world, world, our, our world, world right, there right should now. be 14 of them. Okay. Mm. Okay, so because here's, here's what happened, right? You were alluding to this earlier. Yeah, there were eight planets, and then they discovered Pluto, and there was much rejoicing. Pluto got the shaft, totally got the shaft, got named after the god of the underworld. But you know, but you know what? Like, that's great. Now, when we discovered Pluto, we knew that Pluto was not going to be the biggest planet. We knew that Pluto was different from all of the other planets. 
You remember that that little acronym that you would use to remember the order of the planets? You know, acronyms are like my weakness. You know, if I had superpowers, acronyms, my weakness. I could never remember what they meant or what they said. My very educated mother, obviously this was written a long time ago. My very educated mother just, oh, no, what comes after Jupiter? Saturn. Oh, no, where's Henry? Saturn. <laughs> Uh, just, just shared nine pizzas, right? So, so Pluto got to be the pizza planet. Oh yes. You know, and now it's just served nachos and yeah, that's fine. Like a like great Neptune gets to be the nachos, but like Pluto was the pizza planet. And then here's what happened. You see, they discovered not just that Pluto was smaller than the rest of the planets, but they discovered that there were other things the size of Pluto circling around in our solar system. And so they said, you know what? Actually, if we, if we keep adding planets, we're going to end up with too many planets. And so instead of adding in Haumea, Ceres, Eris, Makimaki, these other four, uh, what they now call dwarf planets, instead of adding them to the planetary space, uh, instead they demoted Pluto. Ooh. Well, okay. One, there just there's just other Pluto-sized things floating around our solar system, and I didn't learn about it when I was young. Seriously, yeah, and they're bigger than Pluto, uh, and some of them are closer to us than Pluto. There's this kind of weird, wild thing that like we keep discovering stuff out in space that we didn't know about. I mean, that, that's just also mind-boggling to me where people, where people's, like, jobs as, like, astronomers is just to look, look at the sky with, like, big, fancy, powerful telescopes over and over and over. But I guess, you know, it's the infinity of space, so there's, like, or the nigh-infinity of space, at least. So, like, that's, there's a lot of, to find out there. But, okay, but all that means that Pluto gets destroyed? Gets, or not destroyed, gets... No, not destroyed. Gets demoted. Gets demoted. Gets taken down a rung. And pretty much nobody likes getting demoted. Oh, yeah. Why? Are you trying to tell me something? <laughs> so, no, but here, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Kyle, is like there is no external body telling us how many planets we can have. That's true. There, there, there's, there's no body that says, ooh, you know, you're just breaking the double digits there. Eight planets is great. Nine is fine. Ten is too many. That's true. That's true. Only, only people who decide that are like NASA and the equivalents across the world. Yeah, but so why stop at nine? Like, why say instead of going to 14, they dropped down to eight and they locked it down. They locked it, locked it, locked it down, said no more, no more planets. Well, I guess the fear of the unknown slash the possibility of like 85 planets would make it pretty difficult to keep track of. It would make it kind of a non-useful categorization. But 14 is not too many. Yeah, but I mean, but would it make it a non-useful categorization, right? We have fifty states. We 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 might talk about that later. But <laughs> you you could make a very rational case to say that we should only have nine states. Fifty is a lot of states. Or you know what? You could also say there are. I don't even know today. That number is constantly bouncing around. How many countries there are in the world? It's like two hundred eighty-six, two hundred something. It, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it bounces around. It depends on who you count. You ask someone in some country, they may not. Acknowledge the existence of another country is very complicated, but it's high, high, high. We, we don't say, mm, no, there should only be nine countries. 
Yeah, I mean, there's some people across our history of our world who decided that there's only nine countries, but that's... Uh, but, but not for that reason, not because they're worried about the categories. And then also those people, we don't necessarily love them that much. <laughs> but okay, yeah, I, I, point well taken. Like, why, why is this the thing where we're like, oh, there can only be X amount of categories? There can be only one, right? The I one, mean, that's yeah, the one, Highlander, right? Yeah. Uh, so... So it's this really interesting thing, and we're, let's pivot to ministry here, mm-hmm. is that we get these mental paradigms of what our ministry should look like, the size, the scope, the shape of it, the network connection of it, the location of it. We get these mental paradigms in place, and then we're presented with new data, new opportunities, new factors that could influence our decision-making and our visibility, but instead of leaning forward, instead of innovating, instead of adapting our boundaries, we instead retreat back. Right. Well, I mean, this is this is pretty near and dear to my heart, but I think our hearts is in general, where we're talking, we're on a podcast now doing ministry, but podcasts came out, you know, 2006, 2007. That was like when the technology was invented. You know, like we... We, but we were like Christians are just kind of getting their, their toes wet outside of maybe throwing their sermon up on a podcast, like more in more recent times, you know, last four, four or five years or so. You know, why is that? There was so much data out there that showed, hey, this is a viable field for us to communicate with people. The thing that keeps circling back for you and for me is that we have this question of, well, who are our people? Who are the people that we're ministering to, that we're coaching, that we're leading, that we're serving, that we're hoping to connect with? And if we draw our circle of who are our people around InterVarsity employees, or we draw that circle around uh, InterVarsity student leaders, faculty leaders, we end up actually shrinking our ministry down when we actually discover like, oh, actually there's new access points to connect with people beyond the borders and edges of our ministry, to connect with church pastors. Hey, if you're a pastor listening to this, thanks so much for listening to connect with volunteers. Hey, if you're a volunteer listening to this, thanks so much for following along. There are new opportunities for us to move beyond the borders and the boundaries of our traditional ministry if we will embrace a new paradigm. Right. Well, I mean, if we want to think about this too, historically, this is this the church and Christianity has done this throughout history where it's changed and it's gone through different iterations, things like that. And some just purely out of necessity, right? Where, for example, the early Christians in the church had to hide because of the if, because of, from the Roman state that eventually became, you know, in different areas of the world, the actual state religion. And then there's different areas of the country in the world now where it's you have to hide and there's more than it's not. And you, you have to adapt to your situations and, and the ideas and the data around you know if we were in a closed country for christianity and we we were me and i were living there and we tried to do a regular normal sunday church service as we would see in america i don't know if that's the wisest move for us you know but we should but we have new data we have other circumstances to go about we need to have to have new paradigms because our world and our situation and our circumstances are different well, and one of the things this means for us in ministry during the disruption in the last year we just had Many, many, many students, campus ministers stay home. They they didn't go off to campus. And they stayed connected with their local relationship networks, their friends from high school. Now, traditionally, what happens in the campus ministry environment is a, a high school senior graduates, goes off to college, or at least 
shifts their school environment and loses a lot of those quote-unquote back-home relationships. They form new friends on their new campus, often in their new campus ministry. So what do we do if you didn't just lose all your high school friends? If you stayed connected, if you spent your first year after high school learning how to stay connected with your high school friends, if that's what you did, now you get involved in campus ministry, but your campus ministry is only for people who go to your particular university. It's not for your high school friend. That ministry is missing a huge opportunity. Right. I mean, from a campus minister's perspective, that student has a giant network map of, of people that they, they know and could bring in to your ministry in theory. But oftentimes we're just going to say, nah. Yeah, yeah. You could have potentially lots and lots and lots of planets. You could have 84 planets. But instead, you draw the boundaries at a very particular place and you end up with eight planets. And I think we lose something. I mean, Kyle, you're familiar. You know that Mercury exists, right? Mm -hmm. Venus, Mm -hmm. familiar with that? Mars, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jupiter, Mm -hmm. Neptune, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uranus, Mm -hmm. Saturn. I can Mm -hmm. always forget Saturn. (laughs) But you don't know about Haumea. Yeah, no, I do not. Uh, it's, It's like a... It spins so fast, it's squished. It's shaped a little bit like a football. Ooh, that's Super exciting. Cool. Uh, you, you, you don't know about um, Makemake. No. Uh, it, it's a pink planet. Isn't that lovely? I want a pink planet. That'd be nice. Pink planet, right? Uh, there's all of these beautiful things that are just on the other side of our borders and our boundaries and our barriers. I wish I had a deep Neil deGrasse Tyson voice. That's not even a Neil deGrasse Tyson voice. I wish I had a deep voice that could make you like wonder at the planets and the stars and think about what might actually be available for you in your ministry. But I don't. I've got this high-pitched, squeaky voice and a little bit of passion about this. But I do want to challenge you to think. This disruption has given you an opportunity to think about your ministry in new categories with new paradigms, with new eyes. What is it that God wants you to see? Maybe some new planets. (laughs) Maybe some new planets. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, if you have been listening to this, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. You, You listen to like 15 minutes of us talking about planets and ministry. You are clearly our people. We love you. We're so excited to get to connect with you. Subscribe to Ministry During the Disruption and maybe tell a friend about it. You probably know somebody who thinks there should be 14 planets. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Maybe, maybe even through this experience, you've got to see not only that you, you should see new planets, but you could also have new plans for your ministry. If you want some new plans for your ministry or some new ideas, you can check out our Instagram where we share all these cool ideas about new stuff that we're seeing out there. And we don't always post that often, but there's some really cool stuff that we share through our stories and stuff like that. Definitely check it out at Ministry During the Disruption. And you could also check out our sponsor. Today's sponsor is TheMinistryPlaybook.com. Maybe you're living in a world where there are only eight planets and you think to yourself, there should be 14 planets. It's also possible you're living in a world where you have eight different tools, techniques, and paradigms for ministry. And you're wondering, is there more for me? Could there be more for the people I serve? 
If you have this heart's desire to continue to grow in your ministry experience, check out theministryplaybook.com. In the Ministry Playbook, you'll find a free collection of InterVarsity's best resources to help you with disciple-making, evangelism, global engagement and justice, multi-ethnic relationships, racial reconciliation, all kinds of great content available for you for free online at theministryplaybook.com.